It's Wednesday, so you've got me. I'm Carousel Baird. Hey, you can listen to me any day of the week. You can listen online at WRTFM.org, at the A Public Affair podcast, or on the WORT smartphone app. If you like what you hear, click the donate button and support community media. Your donation makes a huge difference. Six foot six above sea level. I grab the mic because I like to take you to another mental level. Low power frequency radio modulation. Hello, everybody, and welcome. It's Wednesday, so that means you've got me. I'm your host today, Carousel Baird. And I want to remind you, you are listening to a public affair on volunteer-powered, listener-sponsored community radio, WORT, 89.9 FM, Madison. We have a fabulous treat lined up today. It's so great. We've been talking to people over the wires, over the phone. Sometimes you hear the dogs back, you know, barking in the background. Sometimes, you know, the phone cuts out. No, today, live in the studio, sitting right across from me, is our very own Wisconsin Lieutenant Governor, Sarah Rodriguez. Hello, Sarah. Hi, Carousel. Thank you so much for having me here today. It's wonderful having you. I'm so excited that you can join us. And I want to tell... Um, well, I'll tell everyone a little bit about you, but first sort of one of the headlines of why, you know, anytime we'll have you to, to, to talk about all the things that are happening, but something in particular that you're leading up, you have launched your own podcast. It's called the Rodriguez Report. Uh, you talk with residents across Wisconsin about the issues that matter most to you. Congratulations on that. Thank you so much. It's been great being able to talk to people all across Wisconsin. It's fabulous. And the first few episodes, which are out, I've listened to them. You can find them on Apple Podcasts and wherever, uh, what do they always say on podcasts? Wherever you can find your podcast, you can find it. Um, first few episodes about healthcare and Medicaid expansion. Um but let me tell everyone a little bit about our fabulous lieutenant governor. Um, Sarah is a registered nurse, and she worked in the emergency department, worked in healthcare leadership, including working as vice president of population health and integrated care management at one of the largest healthcare systems in the Midwest. Sarah's held positions with public health departments at local, state, and federal levels, including serving. Um, as an epidemic intelligence service officer, whoa, <laughs> with the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, and a chronic disease director for the state of Colorado, a healthcare systems consultant, and vice president, as we talked about, at a Fortune 100 company. Um, most recently, you were elected to the Wisconsin State Senate. Uh, sorry, the Wisconsin State Assembly in 2021, representing parts of Waukesha and Milwaukee counties. And then, of course, even currently, most <laughs> recently, elected to be the lieutenant governor of the state of Wisconsin. Yes, absolutely. And it is an absolute honor to be able to be the lieutenant governor for Wisconsin. Well, so let's sort of start off with your podcast. What was your idea behind why did you want to launch this? So I have the privilege of being lieutenant governor, and I get to go all across the state of Wisconsin. And I get to talk to so many different people and hear what their issues are, hear what their concerns are. And what I hear all across is that there are so many things that are the same, whether it's Milwaukee, whether it's up north, whether it's when I talk to the tribes, they all have a lot of the same concerns. And I wanted to be able to talk to people individually, just regular everyday people and see how policy affects them. And so we started off with healthcare because that's a big interest of mine. It's a passion of mine. Like you said, I've been in healthcare for my entire career. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to really talk to people about what some of those policy issues, how it would be affecting their lives. And that's why I started that podcast, is to be able to just make sure that we're talking to regular, everyday Wisconsinites about the issues that are important to them. And I'm always, I know we were talking before the show about how I'm always intrigued by when, when you know, our state leaders come in and they really tell the story that's so different than what we hear sometimes in the media of divided Wisconsin. We certainly feel divided. We certainly sometimes look divided on election day. But in reality, the conversations that you're having, people have the same needs no matter where you go. Can you tell us a little bit more about that, of really paralleling the similarities between city and rural, between Milwaukee and Madison, and then out in the farms? 
Yeah. So, and I live in Waukesha County. So I absolutely get to talk to a wide range of people from mm-hmm. all political spectrums. If I chose to not talk to Republicans, I probably wouldn't have as many friends in mm-hmm. Waukesha County as I do. To, I would run out of people. Yes, as I do today. And uh, so I've been talking to folks all across the state. And I will tell you some of the consistent areas that people bring up is healthcare. That is one area that I talk to people about across all Wisconsin, that it is becoming increasingly unaffordable to be able to get the health care that people need. And that's just a tragedy, especially as a nurse, as somebody that has worked within healthcare of their entire lives. I've seen those gaps that we have across our healthcare system. But whether it's rural areas, even being able to access uh, the health care that they need. They have to come into the city sometimes to be able to get the services, but also within the cities themselves. We've got folks who need to be able to access care, and they aren't able to do that even in the cities. A couple other areas that are consistently come across uh, that I talk to people about is housing, which is an area that we are struggling with all across the nation, but particularly in Wisconsin. If I go to rural areas, if I go to the tribes, if I go to the cities, they all tell me the same thing, that they need more roofs. In fact, I was in La Crosse not that long ago, and I was talking to some folks out there within a healthcare system, and they were trying to recruit a physician to be able to come a very high level skilled physician to come to the area and they had two problems recruiting that physician number one they couldn't find housing that was a a real issue for them crazy number two child care so they were telling me that this physician called almost 30 child care centers and were put on the waiting list for over 20. And the other ones didn't put them wow. on the waiting list because their waiting list was, the too, list was long. too long. It was too long. Mm. And, you know, mm. we were talking about this earlier offline. My kids are 14 and 16, and I do remember that dance for childcare, but it was not as critical as it is today. I don't remember having to call 30 places to be able to find childcare for my for my children. And that's what I'm hearing from parents today is we went to a child care center even the other day, this last week, and they were saying that people call them when they get pregnant or yes. when they're thinking about getting pregnant right. to be able to see if there's going to be an open spot. That's insane. It's insane. It is insane. And you, we know in Wisconsin, we've got a workforce issue as well. We have two and a half unemployment rate percent unemployment rate in Wisconsin. That is breaking records over and over and over again, two and a half percent compared to the national average of three and a half percent. So we are knocking it out of the park economically here. We have a 66 percent worker participation rate in Wisconsin compared to 62 percent nationally. We are doing fantastic economically. However, If we do not solve these issues, if we do not put effort and energy into these issues, whether it's health care, housing, and child care, we are going to struggle because people are going to either not come to Wisconsin to be able to work, or they're going to have to take themselves out of the workplace because they can't find appropriate, affordable child care for their kids. Well, let's sort of break down all of these issues and, and, and see, you know, how much we can get to in our hour. Um, let's start with healthcare and uh, Medicaid expansion, particularly. Talk to us about the issue of Medicaid expansion. This has been a thorn, uh, re- really, actually, sort of a black eye for Wisconsin nationally. We're one, I believe, of only 11 states in the country. 10 now. 10. It's, 10. I mean, how much longer does it take for our state to realize the importance of participating in Medicaid expansion? Explain to us what that is. Explain yes. to us why it's important and, and 
what is holding us back from being on the other side of that equation? Why aren't we with the 40 other states? So that's a great question, Carousel. And we should expand Medicaid, or it's called Badger Care here in Wisconsin. Yes. So this is from the Affordable Care Act. So, you know, over a decade ago, this is something that was put out there as policy that we could expand our Medicaid coverage and the federal government would match 90%. So we are leaving dollars on the table that are going to other states. These are dollars that could come home to Wisconsin. And we are only one of 10 states that has not expanded Medicaid. Uh, And because North Carolina just did it, they just um, expanded again. And we are the only state that would actually save money on their Medicaid budget today because we expanded in Wisconsin, but we didn't expand to what the federal government wants us to. So we are missing out on that 90% match for a portion of who qualifies for Medicaid today. And that would give us $1.6 billion, with a B, dollars, every year that we could be saving on our Medicaid, plus the dollars we would get from the federal government to expand it to what the Affordable Care Act requires. So one of the podcasts, and if you you listen to it, I talked to a woman named Peggy. Uh, She's over 65, so she qualifies for Medicare. But many people may not know, but if you have an inpatient procedure or something with Medicare, there's a 20% copay. And her and her husband uh, made $100 over the limit to qualify for Medicaid. And she needed her knees replaced. And they could not afford it. They could not afford the surgery if they didn't have Medicaid to be able to help with that 20% copay. So, And if we expanded Medicaid, that would help them? Yes. If we expanded Medicaid... Then that $100, they would be able to qualify for for Medicaid at a much higher limit in terms of the dollars that they're making today. So Peggy divorced her husband of over 30 years to qualify for Medicaid. That's what she had to do. And that, for me, is shameful in Wisconsin. We should be able to take care of our own. And nobody should have to divorce their spouse to be able to qualify for the health care that they need. Um, And it is it's just a tragedy here. And she even told me it's not just about being able to afford the health care. But she said she knows there's a worker shortage. She's now she's got a great knee. Right. So she's able to she can work. She goes, I would be happy to be at the grocery store bagging groceries. I would be happy to work at my local store and be able to help them out so they don't have to close. I would be happy working at that local watering hole, that local bar. Uh, But I can't do that, she said, because otherwise I make too much money to be able to qualify for Medicaid. And I know with the chronic illnesses that she has, that she's going to need that support moving forward. So it's not just the dollars that we're missing out on from the federal government, but we're also missing out on that econo- those economic dollars of people who could be working today in Wisconsin to help with this workforce shortage that we have, who are watching their dollars and aren't going to be making any more so they continue to qualify for the health care that they need. And this this one point something billion, what's the dollar amount again? One point six billion. The one point six billion. I mean, that point six is is in the millions. That point six is huge. One point six billion that we're leaving behind. This isn't just money that will go into the pockets of the Wisconsin government. It's for the individuals that need it. So we're harming ourselves. We're harming the people that live here, the residents of Wisconsin, by limiting their access to services, to health care, basic needs. Basic needs. And we know when people are able to take care of their health, they're able to work more. If you can get somebody's diabetes under control, I'm a nurse, you know, we, we've, we've said that. If you can get somebody's diabetes under control, 
they're going to be able to work more than maybe they have worked before. But Medicaid expansion is really personal to me as well. And and, and I want to uh, tell a story about my family, which Please. is my, my father uh, worked every day of his life. He was a veteran, a Vietnam veteran. He fixed telephones for a living. And he worked the Friday before he got diagnosed with Alzheimer's on that next Monday. So worked every day of his life. And he was in his 60s. And anybody who has ever taken care of somebody with dementia knows that that is just such a draw on the finances of the family. And so at the end of his life, he qualified for Badger Care. He qualified for Medicaid. And it was a blessing for our family to know that his costs were going to be covered at the end of his life. And that's those are the types of programs that we could expand in Wisconsin to give caregiver support, to be able to provide the support that families need, like mine. Uh, and we should be able to take care of people like my father on Badger Care. And, and I think, and this is a bipartisan issue, yeah. 70% of Wisconsinites, and that's from a Marquette poll, 70% of Wisconsinites want us to expand Medicaid or Badger Care. They see the value in this. We should be expanding it. We should make sure that our legislature does what Wisconsinites want. And that's what's holding this up. Let us be clear. The reason we haven't expanded Medicaid is because um, it is it has to be approved by the state legislature. Is that correct? Correct. So it we uh, the Democratic caucus. In fact, I was the author of the bill when I was in the assembly. The Democratic caucus has introduced this bill every year to expand Medicaid every single year. We will be introducing it again. Unfortunately, the Republican-led legislature has refused to even take it up in committee. We can't even have the discussion about the pros and cons of expanding Medicaid here in Wisconsin. They won't even refer it and hear it in committee, much less bring it up for a vote on the Assembly or the Senate floor. And that's unfortunate. It's unfortunate that they are not listening to constituents and being able to do what Wisconsinites want. Because, again, this is a bipartisan issue. Seventy percent of people want us to do this. The legislature should work with Governor Evers, work with myself, and make sure that we can take care of people in Wisconsin. And these are not well. These are working people. Okay, these are people who make money today, like the woman Peggy I talked about, but they just don't make very much. We're talking, you know, a family of four around thirty six thousand dollars a year. It is not a lot of money, but they're working. And so they would be able to qualify for Medicaid uh, and be able to have the health care that they need. Tell us more about other issues with health care. We, we talk, touched a little bit about, you know, the challenges from rural communities and the challenges in, in um, cities. While they sometimes may be different, there's a lot of overlap. Um, challenges about access mm-hmm. to health care. Talk to us about that. Absolutely. So one of the things that is a concern of mine as well is we, even prior to the Dobbs decision, the Supreme Court Dobbs decision that overturned Roe versus Wade, we had a shortage of OBGYNs in Wisconsin prior to this. I'm learning about that because I, too, have a teenage daughter. Yes. And to try and find someone when you're not already well-established, it's incredibly challenging. It is. Yes. And it is affecting our rural communities way more than it's affecting the cities as well. Mm. But we have a shortage in the cities, too. Yes. Yes. But it's even worse in the rural areas, even worse up north. And so we already had, prior to the Dobbs decision, we already had a shortage of, of obstetricians and gynecologists that who can deliver babies. And now it's going to only get worse because our medical school cannot train on abortion services. They have to do that across state lines. Right. Uh, and if uh, I was speaking to a couple of different medical students and, and interns, they're interning you know, within um, obstetrics and gynecology, they had planned on staying in Wisconsin. 
their plans have changed. Yeah, sure. Because they're worried about their licensure. They don't want to be uh, have somebody come and say they made the wrong decision and they violated the law. They want to be able to take care of women in what conceivably is the worst period of their lives. And they want to be able to offer evidence-based care. And they can't do that in Wisconsin. And they have to refer out or they have to wait when um, it is really risking the health of women and their future reproductive health as well. So this is a real concern of mine, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Governor Evers and myself in terms of being able to do this. So this 1849 abortion law that right now we are under in Wisconsin, it is clinically unsound. Talk to any healthcare provider about that. And we would really want to make sure that that we move forward and do things that are evidence-based, that OBGYNs are saying that need to happen in Wisconsin, and that we can recruit more clinicians here to be able to fill some of those gaps in care that we have. And we're going to be unable to do that if we don't address this 1849 abortion law. We're going to get less and less healthcare providers and doctors in a state if they can't if when they study in Wisconsin they can't actually learn comprehensively all the things that they can do when they practice they can't practice comprehensively all the things that they can um, but they can do it right over the border in Minnesota and Illinois and other states mm-hmm. there's no reason why you would choose to come to Wisconsin Right. Would yeah. I, that That's a huge issue. Mm-hmm. Would you risk your license to be able to come to a place that is telling you that a standard of care is now against the law? Or also limit the practice that you can do. Right. You know, hooray for people choosing a profession with that fulfills them and gives them passion. I mean, it's not easy to become a doctor. Certainly, they must have a sense of drive to, to go through all those years and timing. Not easy to become a nurse. And to then come out of the other end and say, okay, you studied all of this, but you could only do uh, part of the skills that you have. How How is that something that someone would want to devote their career and, and life to? That doesn't make any sense. Right. No, I absolutely yeah. agree. And it's going to become an even bigger problem. And, yeah. and so that's what Governor Evers has called on the legislature to address the 1849 abortion law. There's currently, I'm not a lawyer, so I'm not going to talk about the lawsuit, but there is a lawsuit that yes. is going through. You're the lawyer. We talked about this yeah. on our radio show, actually. <laughs> Last week, we talked about what could be coming before, before the uh, current Wisconsin Supreme Court. And Correct. And this was part of our conversation. Yes. Yeah. So there is a lawsuit that it will likely go before the Wisconsin Supreme Court that looks at that 1849 abortion law. Now, remember, that 1849 abortion law was before women could vote. It was a year after Mm. we became a state. I mean, this is, I mean, medicine has changed since 1849. (sighs) And we have to acknowledge that within the state of Wisconsin. And so that's part of how that lawsuit is going to be moving forward is to try to remedy some of those issues. But the reality is, is the legislature could meet today and, and, codi- and codify Roe in Wisconsin, which yes. is what the governor is asking them to do. And if we're going to care about access to health care and access to doctors in every, you know, role that doctors can play, reproductive health, but also general care and surgery and and beyond and beyond and beyond, then we need to have a, a state that attracts and supports our health care workers. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. I want to remind everyone we are talking with Wisconsin Lieutenant Governor Sarah Rodriguez. We'd love to have you join the conversation. If you have a question for Sarah um, or if you have a message that you want to pass on, we'd love to hear from you at area code 608-256-2001, extension 9. Mary Jo is uh, staffing the phones, ready for your call. Uh, Jade and Jay are in the studio. They can pass a message on to us if you don't want to join us on the air however you want to you know be part of the conversation we would love to have you again area code 608-256-2001 extension 9 um and just a little more on healthcare because there's so much more to it and i i feel like having you in the studio now you're like our healthcare expert 
Talk to us about the cost of medication. Is that a conversation that comes up? Yes, absolutely. So the cost of medication has been an issue for a long time. And what I really love that President Biden has done is, A, we can now negotiate for prices within Medicare. If we talk about successes of the Biden administration, that is huge. We have been talking about that forever. Every other place gets to be able to negotiate prices for medication, but Medicare was unable to do that. Now we can do that. Hmm. Also cap the price of insulin to be able to make sure that people were not paying unaffordable prices for insulin. For basic health needs. Basic health needs. And what we're seeing when the federal government does that, when that's a success for President Biden, Private industry and private commercial insurance is starting to do that as well. Okay. So they're starting to cap their prices for, for insulin to match what the federal government is doing today. They also capped overall costs for the year for medications at $2,000 for Medicare. So that's the kind of thing that the President Biden has done for uh, successes nationally. The governor as well, Governor Evers, has been able to put different task forces together to look look at medications and be able to make some suggestions relative to what we can do on a statewide level, which, uh, you know, we can implement some of those same things, mirror some of that federal legislation here. But again, we want to make sure we've got our Republican partners on board and that they would be able to, to push that legislation and the governor's ready to sign it. And you're hearing, I'm sure, that the cost of medication is a challenge throughout the state of Wisconsin. Absolutely. This has come up over and over and over again when I talk to people, uh, particularly now that we have a lot of high deductible plans. And yes. when people have high deductible plans, what that means is, is they have to pay a certain amount before their insurance kicks in. Well, if those medications are relatively expensive, they're paying full price for those medications until their insurance kicks in. And sometimes that's just not a... Many times that is not affordable for families. Nope, it's not. I even think about my son. He has has a a nut allergy, a peanut and nut allergy. So he has an EpiPen. And when we've had high deductible plans, those EpiPens can sometimes cost hundreds of dollars. Wow. And that is not affordable no. for a lot of families. No. And you need it. This and you need deba- it. This you need is, it to yes, live. You need it to live. This is for to make sure that if he has any allergic reaction, that he's able to have that EpiPen. And I know that people, I know families personally who end up keeping some of their EpiPens that have expired because they cannot afford it to get a new one that's unexpired. And then you you risk that that EpiPen is not going to work. And, mm-hmm. and it just, it's hundreds and hundreds of dollars, and it's a huge challenge for families. That's really, really terrifying. Um, I, I want to say how much I appreciate not just that you're here talking about these issues, but that through your podcast and beyond, you're handing the mic to our community members so they can tell their stories and how important, right, you're bringing those stories to us today because of the work that you've done. But listening to your podcast, they get to tell their own stories and how important and persuasive that is Mm -hmm. um, to remind us of the voices that are really out there and and needing leadership in our uh, state government. Yeah. No, I appreciate that. The other episode that I did was with a nurse practitioner. Yeah. And Susan. And she talked about how the lack of health care creates such issues when she sees patients. So people will delay care because they don't think they can afford it. And they're, and they're worried about what's, what she's going to find on an exam. And so they delay care, they delay care, they delay care. And then they come in crisis. Mm-hmm. And their blood sugars are out of control. Their blood pressure's out of control. And something that could have been addressed with medication and with lifestyle interventions early on for an inexpensive amount of money now we're looking at a hospital admission. Now we're looking at, you know, having issues um, where you're going to have issues with your kidneys for the rest of your life because of either your diabetes or your blood pressure. When we could have done simple preventive things 
if we would cover these individuals and we are yeah. would not have the cost of these admissions. And guess what? That affects all of Everybody. us. Everybody. Even Everyone. people with private insurance. Costs go up when we have individuals who we have to pay more to be able to take care of them. All of our costs go up. And so it doesn't just affect the individual who doesn't have health care. It affects Everyone. all of us in Absolutely. Wisconsin. And again, I get to travel all across the state of Wisconsin. We are such a welcoming state and we take care of our neighbors. And this is just a way to be able to take care of our neighbors. Let's talk a little bit about housing. Sure. You had said um, at the beginning of the show that, right, there's housing challenges throughout the country, and we know that. But the struggle, there's a particular struggle across Wisconsin. Why do you think that is? So I, there's a lot of reasons why we struggle with housing. We knew this was an issue about a, a, about a decade ago. There were, there were absolute yellow to red flashing lights about a decade ago. And unfortunately, when you think about housing and when you think about development, that takes some time, right? It takes some time to, to purchase the land. It takes some time to build the buildings. It takes some time and energy and effort and dollars to be able to provide housing in general and to be able to uh, provide housing that is affordable, right, for yes. everyday workers. So, and it's all connected, right? So if you think about the nursing assistants, which we have a shortage of nursing assistants, we have a shortage of nurses in the state of Wisconsin, uh, nursing assistants do not make that much money. And so if we want to be able to attract nursing assistants and medical assistants into Wisconsin, we're going to have to be able to offer them housing that they can afford. Mm -hmm. And that is a real uh, dearth of availability right now. And we have we what I'm very happy about, though, is that the governor did put um, a, quite a bit of money into his budget, his biennial budget, to be able to address this housing issue. And the, the majority of that funding was kept in the budget. So it wasn't stripped out by the Joint Finance Committee. So the Republican um, legislature leads the Joint Finance Committee, and they make some decisions about what's what comes in the budget and get stripped out of the budget. Yes. And so they kept a lot of those housing dollars within the budget. So I'm happy to see that. There was also some legislation, about five bills that were recently passed through the legislature that really talks about making sure that we can smooth the pathway to be able to get housing that's affordable in Wisconsin. It still is just scratching the surface. We need to do this overall across the entire state. And it's all levels of housing. It's yes. not just affordable housing. It's not just workforce housing. It is um, high-end housing as well. We're, we're having, I told you about that physician that couldn't find a house. Right. They could afford um, a house, but they couldn't find one that they were looking for because the market was so tight. And uh, so we're just going to have to continue to address this issue. We're going to have to continue to work with developers to be able to do this. And we're going to need to be creative. And we want to work as partners with the legislature to make sure that we can do this moving forward. Well, and I appreciate you talking about um, the need for housing across the spectrum. Um, as, as our listeners know, and you and I were talking before the show, right? I do uh, tenant rights. I'm in Dane County Eviction Court yeah. every week trying to prevent eviction, trying to help individuals, you know, find new housing so they can, you know, afford housing so they can pay their landlords so they can have a roof over their heads. And so everyone is always talking to me about, wow. Tell us how dire it is for affordable housing. And it really is all of it because we have seen mm -hmm. that housing that used to be the affordable housing, those prices have gone up yep. because there's so much demand just for any mm -hmm. housing. So I appreciate acknowledging that it doesn't, ha it's not an either or. We need to build we more need to affordable. Build it all. We need, yeah. and this is a challenge. Are you seeing this challenge for people? Uh, that would be homeowners and for individuals and families that would be renters as well? Yes, both. Yeah. Both. I, I, I think that, you know, we are seeing it all across the spectrum. I was talking to one of the, the tribal nations up north and they have jobs that they would like to fill. 
and they would like to be able to attract some of their youth back. So many of the tribal nations will um, provide funding for many of their youth to go to college, grad school, get their PhDs, uh, and, and but they would love to have them come back and be That's able lovely. to work yes. and do the kind of work that they need to have happen. And so they've got a lot of jobs that are available. Uh, their huge barrier is housing. Their huge barrier is housing. And so they're trying to work through that as well. So it is absolutely across the board that we need to put a focus on this and be able to provide what people need. And if you think about it again, again, I'm a nurse. Are you going to be able to take care of your diabetes if you don't have a roof over your head? No. You can't. If you're kind of bouncing from couch to couch, uh, that is the thing that you're going to be focused on. You're not going to be focused on your health care. So all of these things are connected. And we we need to make sure that people are able to live in healthy communities and safe communities and be able to thrive in Wisconsin. We're talking right now with Wisconsin's Lieutenant Governor, Sarah Rodriguez. If you'd like to join the conversation, we'd love to hear from you at area code 608 256 Two zero zero one extension nine, and we did have um, someone that passed on a message. Listener Brad wanted to ask you about um, money in politics, and mm-hmm. really just—I mean, I would make it even broader. The challenges that we're having to these these issues are so common mm-hmm. and and so important to all. Wisconsin residents, no matter where they fall on the political spectrum. But we're seeing the Republican leaders in the, our state legislature refuse to move on this. What what are you seeing and what's sort of your response to uh, the listeners call uh, sort of comment about the lack of, you know, accountability, accountability, the 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 bribes that he feels like or sort of he called it the bribery of our elected official in the sense that they're taking money from entities that then they are promising to support so so this is what i would say so wisconsin has um one of the most gerrymandered districts yes in the entire country and let me explain what gerrymandering means. Many people know what that means, but um, it it's, can be a, an unfamiliar term with some. What it means is, is that the districts are drawn to partisan advantage. So the districts in Wisconsin are drawn to be advantageous to Republicans. And wh- how do we know that? How do we see that? Governor Evers and I won our statewide election by a little over three percentage points. So we won statewide by three percentage points. However... We have a supermajority of Republicans in the Senate and Impossible. almost a supermajority in the Assembly, which means right. that they can, if they get a supermajority, they can overturn Governor Evers' vetoes. Okay? That's why it's so important to know that. So that's why some of the frustrations um, uh, show up, because how these districts are drawn is that you have very, very deep red districts and you have very, very deep blue districts. And so in terms of what the entire state of Wisconsin might want, um, they're really only worried about a primary opponent as opposed to flipping that district to the other party where we may, uh, Democrats would vote to be able to have additional dollars in childcare, additional dollars in housing, additional dollars in um, health care, which is what uh, Wisconsinites want. And so that is a way that individuals can advocate uh, within Wisconsin is to advocate against uh, this gerrymandering, to be able to say, we want one person, one vote. We want to hear the voices of Wisconsin. We want, I want to keep me accountable. I want to be accountable. We should keep all of our elective officials accountable. Uh, but we need to do that and have a fair playing field. And yes. that means that we, our districts are representative of what the voters want and are representative of the parties that exist within Wisconsin. We are a purple state. We are. So we should have kind of sort of 50-50 in the Assembly and the Senate around that. And it's not even close to that today. So that's what we really need to do. And that's how you can keep your elected officials accountable. And we're encouraging our elected officials to have extreme positions because 
right? They only face primary opponents instead of having a reasonable conversation about the issues that matter to the entire state. Correct. Yeah. And yeah. I was somebody who flipped a district. I was one of the very few purple districts within Wisconsin. I flipped a district and, and you know, and it was able to um, come on board in, in, in 20, we able to flip a district in 2020. And uh, living in Waukesha County, like I've said before, there is so much more that unites us than divides us. I would say when I talk to my friends who often vote Republican, we agree on about 90% of it. 90% of it. Yeah. And the other 10%, we um we agree on the problem we just might not agree on what the solution is and so when i hear that there is all of this divisiveness when there is this huge divide i don't see that in my day-to-day interactions with individuals in wisconsin and i know most people don't and so that's what they want us to get back to is moving wisconsin forward having those discussions about what the best policy solution is and being able to compromise in terms of what what this looks like, and then evaluate it. If the program I think is going to be able to move things forward isn't working, let's go ahead and change it. Let's go ahead and go in a different direction. Let's take ideas from all sorts of people and then implement them. We have a handful of callers that have now uh, wanted to join the conversation. So fabulous. It's great. We're right now talking with Wisconsin Lieutenant Governor Sarah Rodriguez. David, you've been waiting a little bit. You had some questions about both Medicare expansion and affordable housing. What are you thinking? Oh, is this me? I think so. You're on. Go ahead, David. <laughs> oh. Hi, Carousel. Rosebud Hi. here. Hey, one of my favorite Davids, the best. Hello, Rosebud. <laughs> How you doing? Hi. Pretty good. Um, so two questions for you, too. Uh, one of them related to the Medicare uh, question you know, you've described how the uh, gerrymandering is allowing the Republicans to do what they want uh, and not pay attention to the, you know, the majority of people in the state. But the question I have is that, you know, these people uh, have a choice about what they, you know, propose and vote on, and, and they are actually voting to not do the expansion. And uh, the question is, why are they doing that? Why, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in their minds, I know you can't read their minds probably, but, but what is your opinion about why do they think that's the better choice uh, for somebody? Um, and then I'll ask my second question, uh, which is different, and you can answer them as you choose. Uh, the second question is, uh, in terms of uh, expanding affordable housing, uh, I'm aware from having worked in, in that subject a lot uh, that a really big impediment is the state law that prohibits uh, what's called rent control. Um, and again, the legislators have been approached multiple times about, well, how about we get rid of that prohibition or how about we have a modification or a, you know, a carve out for certain things? And they're always like, we won't even talk about it. Hmm. Um, and a rent control uh, prohibition uh, is pretty uncommon in the various states, just like the Medicare not expansion. So also, like, what, what's great. going on in their minds? Why do they think that's the right choice? Thank you so much for those questions. And I'm going to say a quick plug, which is uh, David Rosebud is one of my mentors and a legend in housing law. So it's always great to hear his voice. Um, Sarah. Yeah. So so I'll, I'll start with the first one, which is the Medicaid expansion. And unfortunately, I cannot get into the Republicans' heads in terms of why. <laughs> Do um, they ever say we're not voting for this because or they really won't even have the conversation because they know it's a losing it, conversation? It actually it, it doesn't come to committee. It doesn't come to committee. It doesn't come to the floor. Sometimes we try to uh, do a substitute amendment and add in the Medicaid expansion to a similar legislation. And and oftentimes that's voted down as a substitute amendment. Um, But there's not that conversation of, you know, what some of that that is. I mean, you can there. You, you could probably, um, you know, reach out to them yourselves and, and, and see what they have to say. But for me. A, it brings dollars into Wisconsin, $1.6 billion we'd save on Medicaid, um, almost 
2 billion actually so like 3.6 billion around almost uh to annually to be able to to use for Wisconsinites uh it's an economic driver we can get more people in the workforce uh it just is it uh, just doesn't make any sense to mm. me at all as that's to why re- we're not doing this that's really fascinating that it hasn't got, I mean cuz you could think Right. Make ideas up of answers of like, oh, they don't want expanded government or whatever. But it really is coming to local individuals. It, yeah. It's so the logic isn't there. How And it's health care. It's a basic it's a human basic need. human need yeah. and so i i try not to to get into people's heads to understand the reasoning why um but i i do think it's important to to ask those questions yeah. and be able to say what you know what is the barrier here like why don't we want this to move forward because it just may the reason why 70 percent of people want us to expand medicaid in in wisconsin is because of those issues. It, it makes just sense. makes logical sense. Yes. And hmm. again, we take care of our own. And yeah. so let, let's go ahead and, and do this and make sure that, that we can take care of our own. Because a lot of the folks, I mean, I don't know if people know, but the vast majority of people who are on Medicaid um, are children and the elderly and the disabled. That's who's on Medicaid. These right? are the people that... That's the vast majority who are on Medicaid. What does it say about the values of our state exactly. that we're not going to that give them their basic needs? Give them their know. basic needs. And your thoughts on uh, the question about rent control? So, you know, I, there's there's so many areas that I think that we could improve upon within Wisconsin. and And there's some basic areas that we can look at. But the bottom line is, is that we need to invest. To, we should have invested 10 years ago, right? We should have invested in housing 10 years ago. We would have been in a better spot today. Um, but, you know, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. That's fine. We can invest today and to be able to create the housing that we need, to be able to create incentives for builders to have um pieces of what they have to be affordable, to to make sure that people can afford it. And I've seen such fantastic ideas out there. Um, I was actually in Oshkosh the other day, and this is transitional housing that they were putting together for individuals who were experiencing homelessness that had children, who had children, whether it's men, women, families. And they put together uh, a tiny houses and they had over 30 tiny houses. So they could serve 30 families on um, three acres with tiny houses. And there was a community center and there was a playground and there was a community garden. And they had social workers that came in to be able to help folks with um, being able to manage what they needed to be able to go out and get a job, to be able to get childcare, signing them up for services. This has been wildly successful for them. They're just starting, but they are actually going to thinking be thinking out of the box. Yeah, thinking out of the box. They're going to be break even, so not needing some additional supports in terms of from the state or from the federal government. Um, pretty soon, within a couple of years, they were able to get some influx of dollars from a very generous donor within Oshkosh. But we, as the state government, could look at some of these models and say, okay, this is working. Is there something we can do on our end to be able to get these folks a head start and then make it sustainable Foster, moving forward? Re- replicate it. Yes, right. yes, absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Rosebud, for your, your questions there. Um, we have another caller that uh, wants to join the conversation. Sue, you had a question and a story about the shortage of healthcare workers. Yeah, I have a situation where my husband basically he's ended up in a skilled nursing facility because I can't get enough home health care. I've been working with one of the, one of the programs, which is wonderful, but the problem is the same in the facilities. It's a CNA issue. First of all, they don't get paid enough. Mm-hmm. And in certain areas where I live, we don't even have enough of them that do home health care. So it's really frustrating to me that I need the help. I could have him home. He doesn't need – I mean, he, fit, he fits the criteria for a SNF, but really he'd be better off, 10 times better off home with me because once Medicare stops physical therapy and all that, you know, he just sits. And I'm not the only one. A lot of families are struggling with it. So my question is, 
Are there issues with the state that we families can go to to get some more help? Let the legislature know. As part of it is pay, paying these people enough money to do the job. And the other problem is it, it's just a shortage. It's just plain shortage on the CNA level. Mm-hmm. Nurses too, but the CNA level is a big deal because these are the people who do all the work and help our loved ones, whether they're in a facility or at home. And we're just having a problem here with this. And the other question I had is kind of about the home shortage. In my town, they're building the three hundred and the four hundred thousand dollar homes, but they're not building the single family. Mm-hmm. And everybody's building these huge apartment complexes, you know, three in Madison and all over. And that's okay, but that's really I don't think what we need for children. We need these single family, like two and three bedroom ranch type homes that are yeah. affordable. And we just don't, we're not building those right now. So yeah. that's but the main thing for me is this whole CNA issue. I don't know what we can do to fix it, but somebody, us baby boomers, John and I are right in the middle. We were born in 50 and 51. I heard there's like 32 million of us coming up behind. Yeah. It's going to get worse. It's going to get worse and worse and worse. And why? Do we- Sue, thank you so much for your thoughts. Um, Sarah, what's your response so to I, the shortage of CNAs? Sue, I absolutely uh, agree with you. You know, I and I told the story earlier on the show about how my father had Alzheimer's in his 60s and we kept him at home um, for as long as we could until he went on hospice. And that was a huge challenge is to be able to get caregivers to come into the home. And people do better when they're at home. They just do. And, they, and it's actually less expensive for the state to be able to have people in their houses and provide support. So I think you hit the nail on the head. Uh, These are difficult jobs and they need to be paid appropriately. And so some of the areas that we've worked on administratively is particularly within Medicaid, which is something that we can put into the budget, is increased reimbursement uh, for these types of services so that the the, workers can get paid more and we can attract more people into this field. Uh, the other thing that we've done um, in Wisconsin is, is we launched our first nurse apprenticeship, which a registered nurse apprenticeship, and that takes CNAs and gives them a pathway. Gives them a pathway to be able to make more money, to get more skills, and be able to become a registered nurse. So important. I have met so many CNAs in my career who were brilliant and would be the most amazing nurses, but they had two kids at home. They could not take time out of working to be able to go back to school. They couldn't afford it. And so what this apprenticeship model does is it pays them full time, it pays them to go to school, it pays for their tuition, it provides some wraparound supports, and they get to go through a process to become a registered nurse, all with no debt. I mean, that's, that's just huge. amazing. It's huge. And it's happening here right now in Madison between UW Health and Madison College. Really exciting program. And I am hopeful that this is going to go all across the um, all across the state. Well, it's been fabulous talking with you. Um, thank you so much for joining us today, Sarah. Thank you for all the work that you're doing. And I hope everyone tunes into your podcast to follow um, your great leadership across the state. Yep. Thank you for having me. And you can tune in at the Rodriguez Report. Just Google that on any of your podcasts and you'll be able to find it. Perfect. All right. You heard it here, the Rodriguez Report. Thank you so much again, Wisconsin Lieutenant Governor Sarah Rodriguez. I'm Carousel Baird, your host. Thanks, everyone, for joining us today. Again, you are listening to WRT 89.9 FM Madison. Stay cool out there, everyone. It's the same recorded message you've been singing all along. Keep handing us the Bible while you're walking off with all the gold. The bureaucratic office sends you merry-go-rounding. While the KKK police the streets by bloodhounding. Interest